Welcome to this week's Think Deeper. I'm Jack Wilkie, joined by Will Harab and Joe Wilkie once again. This week, we're continuing our talk about money with a little bit of a different angle. We're going to get to that in just a minute. I want to remind you guys again, we've got three brand new books rolling off the presses here any day now, uh, pre-order. Uh, in fact, I was involved with all three of them. Um, a Mark, a Gospel of Mark Busy Study Guide, guide uh, a book called Transform Faith that is a collection of, of writings from myself and Dr. Brad Harib over the years that's really trying to build out the Christian worldview on the specifics of the Christian life and, and pressing issues of the day. So that's called Transform Faith. And then the Sunday School Catch-Up, which is for people who didn't grow up in the church or people who feel a little behind in, in Bible classes or sermons, um, kind of helping your Bible literacy. And so all three of those are on the way. Again, they're in pre-order status. I know some people are not quite familiar with the terminology. We'll get uh, you know a pre-order and a week later they say, hey, where's my book? It's going to be a little bit. We're getting there. We're, we're finalizing cover designs and layouts and proofing and all that. And uh, we're ready to hit print on these pretty soon. Um, but keep an eye out for that. And I think the two books that we've been teasing for the longest are, are in production as well. They're not up for pre-order, but uh, Dr. Brad and uh, Melinda Harab's parenting book uh, won't be too far behind. And then my follow up to Church Reset is not behind, not too far behind. I know, Joe, are you guys writing that together or is that uh, just a solo project, Joe? Yeah, yeah, mainly me. But if Will has any any ideas of what he wants, I am more than happy. I sent it his way of like, hey, just look over it if you have things you want to add. So it if I had unlimited hours, I for sure would want to join in on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's my problem is yeah, exactly the hours. But yeah, we got another book and I don't know if it's going to be 101, 150 rules, 201 rules. I keep adding to the rules. I'll read things on Twitter and I'm like, man, that's really good. I got to add that, you know, and I'm, so I'm compiling different uh, masculinity things. And so it's going to be a gym podcast um, production. Basically, we're going to, we're going to have that come out with four gym podcasts, which is why I'm going to have Will involved. His name's probably going to be on the book one way or the other, um, because this the gym podcast is our thing. It's a joint project, and I'd want this to be a joint project as well. And so that hopefully will be. But 100, 100 and whatever rules to being a man is what it's going to be. Correct. Called. Yeah. 101 rules being a man or what? Yeah, however many rules we end up having. But um, we're excited go. for that so, one, too. Yeah. So those are more projects in the pipeline. But again, you can pre-order currently those first three I mentioned, Gospel of Mark, Transform Faith, and... Sunday school catch up. Uh, and so you go to focuspress.org slash shop and it's just under the new category and check those out. All right, let's get into the episode. Uh, we spoke about money last week, Christian money management, earning money, um, the idolatry of money, but also the downplaying of money is, is unimportant. And, and so we got into all that. But then one of the things uh, about money is kind of our cultural view of money, our political view of money, things like that. And Especially as it comes to being Christians, we're supposed to be charitable, we're supposed to give. And so a lot of Christians, especially in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, have really gone to this ideology that socialism or some form of socialism, democratic socialism, Bernie Sanders, all of those those things are what Christians should do. Because, hey, they're all about, you know, hey, healthcare, free healthcare for everybody. How can Christians be against caring for people? I mean, the Good Samaritan did, didn't he? And... Uh, free education, free college, college debt paid off, uh, all of these things that, that the democratic socialist platform is behind. And, you know, you read some stuff and they can make a case and they can throw scriptures at you to say, this is clearly what Jesus wants, is that Christians should vote for these things. Christians should advocate for these things. Christians should get behind these things. And, and so we wanted to talk about that, but not just about socialism, uh, because this isn't, this isn't a voting issue or this isn't a voting episode. This isn't uh, strictly politics. I think there's some underlying things to this discussion we're going to get to at the end that it kind of reveals about the way we think, the way we process things culturally. And so we're going to get to those bigger kind of foundational issues at the end. But we're going to start with a discussion of socialism. So I'm going to get into the defining the terms and then I'll let you guys go with where we stand on it. And then we'll get into some of the arguments and, and go over those. When most of the time when people say socialism, they're talking about state ownership and redistribution of resources. Socialized medicine would be the state is paying for everybody's health care. The state has kind of intervened in that they're, they're the new middleman between the customer and the doctor. Um, 
socialized education. I mean, we kind of have that to a degree. We've got we've got a few things that are socialized in that sense. And so it's just the state redistribution. Um, a lot of times the socialists themselves will run in and say, no, 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 no. Socialism is when the workers own the means of production. And so businesses and all that kind of being returned to the people that, that do the work and that the labor is where the real value is and not the ownership and um, uh, the landlord thing of you should own the property and, and it should be wrong to rent out property. It's the people who live there and take care of it. I mean, it's all of those kinds of ideas. And so, I mean, to give you an illustration of the means of production thing, my dad started a plumbing company, as we've talked about. And there's this idea that the people that dig the holes and repair the pipes, they that's their company. That's they're doing the work. And so the workers should own the means of production. That is the, the more technical defini definition of socialism. That's what the socialists often mean. That's not usually what people mean when they're talking about socialism, when Bernie Sanders talks about democratic socialism. So those are the two terms we're talking about here, mainly that first one. But let's get into why is this not a Christian belief? Why is, oh man, giving people free stuff, uh, free healthcare, free food, free education, free whatever you want to say, you know, the, the state paying for it, why not? Well, and I would say, sorry, real quick, I would say it has the allure for people of caring and kindness, as you pointed out, Jack, like what Christian would be against everybody having available health care, everybody, you know, having access to those things. But the other thing it has the allure of is equality is mm. everybody's on the same playing field. Every there, there is no uh, or there to, to obviously as much as they would like to get it this way. There is no big wealth gap. Everybody's kind of everybody's equal. Those are two things that appeal to a lot of people. Again, Kindness and caring, which we, we should be kind and caring, but equality is a big one as well. And I think that's going to be kind of a, uh, I guess, point that we want to get at in this episode is that, listen, equality is a buzzword. Equality is not necessarily something that the Bible talks about, and especially in terms of wealth, but as we talked about in terms of roles within the church and in terms of a lot of things. But society wants to push everything to, we got to be equal, got to be equal, got to be equal, got to be equal. And I just... We don't see it that way according to scripture. And so I wanted to point that out real quick that that's that's the allure of it and why a lot of people can fall for these articles that talk about Jesus being a socialist or these articles that talk about socialism being a good thing is because it's like caring for people and equality. Man, who wouldn't sign up for that? So, Joe, I don't know if you want to get into maybe That's such a good point. Uh, it has it has the sound of wisdom. You know, it just yeah. it just sounds good. We're taking care of one another. And sure, we're all for that. We're going to come to and that. Nobody's better than anybody else. Yeah, right. Exactly. We're going to come to the end of that. And, and some people use the end of Galatians three, right? To Well, there's neither slave nor or free man, right? There's there's no uh, Jew nor Gentile or, or male or female, right? There's, there's we're just, all one in Christ. It's a utopia of equality. We're all one. We're all the same. So that's really come on now. We are going to come <laughs> to that in the outline of maybe how we can work on some of those things. And, and you know, some of the more appealing parts quote unquote, and what we think about that, but why it's wrong. First and foremost, the thing that comes to my mind is look at all of the parables that Jesus taught concerning masters and, and either slaves or the vineyard worker, right? And, and the workers in the vineyard, um, the guy who gives the talents and he goes on a faraway trip. I mean, Jesus had so many opportunities to say, there, there's no need for a master there, there shouldn't be any, and really the masters should be probably serving the, the servants in a, you know, in that role and they should be dispersing their wealth. And then Paul comes in later and he's got Ephesians six and he's got Colossians four. And, and instead of, Hey slaves, this is, you're working unto the Lord, you know, more than unto your masters. Why doesn't he come in and just tell the masters to disperse the wealth? Why doesn't he come in and really get onto them? It's the same right. argument kind of, well, of John the Baptist, not telling the, uh, the soldiers, Hey, leave the army for the pacifism, right? Like, he had a perfect opportunity to set the record straight as to what he wanted. And instead he doesn't blow up the entire structure of the, the owner and you know, the slaves or whatever of the master. He keeps that structure. It's just both have a role to play within that structure. The master being good, but not turning everything over to them. That's first real quick, real quick. And then you can keep rolling. You brought the parable of the talents. Why didn't he give them all the same amount of talents? Why didn't he give all of them 10 or all of them five or all of the right? That's, See, not, that's not the way some of the socialists will point to the one about the laborers that showed up at nine in the morning and 11 in the morning and, and three. Hey, they all got paid the same. Yeah. Like, OK, talk about taking something out of context, but <laughs> that's exactly you know, it. Yeah. 
that I mean, God is able to give the wage that he wants. And, and yeah, we labor for him, but it's not then you're kind of get into a works based salvation. You, you, you're stretching the analogy in a direction it wasn't meant. to. That's go. exactly it. We're talking spiritual, not the physical redistribution of wealth here. Like he's physically redistributing heaven. There's a spiritual element of we all get the same reward of getting to walk with Christ. I mean, you know, well, it's to go funny to with that parable, uh, you know, Will brought up the, the point of equality and you'll hear equality of outcome is what socialists want is no matter how hard you work, no matter how smart you are, no matter what decisions you make, you should end up in the same place. Everybody should end up in the same place. And obviously that's ridiculous. And so people will say, we don't want equality of outcome. We want equality of opportunity. That's not biblical either. We spoke last week about the, the wise man builds a, a, an inheritance for his children. If your parents leave you something, it's not an equal opportunity. And that's where you kind of see these, uh, the, the bigger some of these states grow and the more socialist they become, it's a 100% inheritance tax. You can't pass things on to your kids because they're trying to flatten, you know, that, hey, you shouldn't get a head start just because your parents did well. Well, that's not biblical. And so equality of opportunity. No, I don't believe in that either. I want to give my kids a better start. I want to get them to that place. But again, socialism, again, even anti-socialist people get into this equality language. And it's like, it's just not there. Right. And that literally is the American dream of I'm going to give to my kids something that I didn't have. I'm going to be better for them. That's why so many people come over to America to be able to give their kids what they didn't have. I mean, that's that's just human nature of wanting to do it. And so, you know, I think there's a, a flattening of human nature itself when they're trying to do it. But another reason, kind of going back to your why this is wrong, going back to your definition of the, the state ownership and dispersing redistribution of, of resources and wealth and everything. Jesus wanted us to give and he wanted us to give cheerfully. He expects us to voluntarily give. Where's the voluntary part of coming in and going, well, that's ours and redistributing. This is this is the, the churches and therefore we're going to take it and move it to where we think. That's not you being able to voluntarily cheerfully give. That's taxes is really what it is. We're, we're going to take what's yours and we're going to figure out where we're going to give it best. Therefore, I'm not cheerful in giving. It's a duty at that point, I suppose, but I'm not cheerful and voluntarily giving. Um, and so I think that's that's another thing that I would say is against that form of socialism, which once again, they may look at and go, well, no, we're talking a different form. This is what socialism ends we've, up being. We've hit Proverbs so much in the last few episodes because it, it pertains so much to this discussion. But you think about how many of the Proverbs get nullified essentially if this socialism is the, is the way we're supposed to go if 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 it is a redistribution of wealth you can just imagine the proverb of like the hand of the diligent makes everybody else around him rich right like <laughs> the hand you know work hard for your wages so that you can leave an inheritance for everybody else like that's not what the proverbs talk about the proverbs talking the proverbs talk about you working hard you go to the ant you know instead of being a sluggard you make sure and and, and be diligent and actually work hard why it's not so you it's not for everybody else. And that's, you know, we've had our giving discussion last episode. It's obviously Christians should be giving people. But to your point, Joe, voluntarily giving out of their, uh, you know, out of, out of the way that they're prospered. And then another thing we've, we've got on here, we're supposed to give of our own money. Right. Like that, that implies that you are working for your money right. and then you voluntarily decide I'm going to give it the socialism concept again, nullifies that it's, you know, Everybody owns everything and you don't really have proper ownership of, of, of the things that you have. And it's just it, it, it's antithetical to what we see in Proverbs and it's antithetical to what Jesus taught. But again, equality, kindness sounds nice to everybody. And again, this speaks to why Christians need to spend more and more time in the Proverbs, because Proverbs are about you work hard, you make money, you take care of your family. Yeah, it's amazing. like how. People can be so self-congratulatory, patting themselves on the back for their generosity of the plans they make to give away somebody else's money. You right, know, I exactly. mean, there's all this, the 1%, the one, you know, Bernie Sanders, the 1%, the 1%, like Bernie, you own like six houses, man. Yeah. Like why, why, why do you have to go after these people? Aren't you, don't you have a responsibility here? Well, no, it's always somebody else's and that doesn't make you a generous person. I mean, when we talk about giving, it is about sacrificial giving. It's about looking at what you have and saying, how can I share with with the people around me and doing something of, of what is my own and passing that around. And that is not this. And and so the idea of we'll go down to the voting booth or we'll advocate for policies that that make somebody else give away their money, make make the government go in and seize somebody else's assets to give to somebody else. 
where do you get that? Where, where why does that yeah. make you generous? Where does that That's make such you a good point? You got the the widow's might, and she's like, you know what? I'm going to keep my might, but this Pharisee's super rich, so I just broke into his house and stole all his stuff. I'll put that in there. Like, <laughs> I'll give his yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Boy, that's that's what we see. Yeah. Let me I, um, go ahead, Joe. Finish. No, I was just going to say, and, and that, again, it's just a good point. That's what makes this so infuriating is, yes, the poor, you're supposed to still give out of your poorness. And this is the point that Paul makes in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Is he's looking and saying, the Macedonians gave, and those people are dirt poor. Like they were willing to give to my cause and they have nothing. You guys have plenty here in Corinth. You guys are very wealthy. Those who had nothing gave out of their, basically out of their poverty and they gave liberally. They gave amazingly. And so he's kind of throwing some shade at the Corinthians for having all of this money and not doing anything with it. And so we look at those who are on welfare and those who are the the poorer of society. And yeah, it sounds so great to to vote money unto everybody else and to say, well, let's take everybody else. Where in the world... Why in the world would we think that is a an attribute, a positive attribute? What's frustrating about it is those who will be proponents of socialism will make all these points about how for the capitalists, money money is an idol and money is the driving force. Is that not the exact same thing with socialism? It just takes on a different form of like those who are less wealthy are still idolizing the wealthy of the rich and they want it redistributed. That's still idolization of wealth and idolization of money. It just takes a bit of a different form. And so that's typically a stone that will be cast at those who at capitalists of like, well, you're turning money into an idol. That's exactly the, and from my point of view, at least, that's exactly the same thing the socialists do. I want to say two things on this before we move on to, to some of the arguments. Number one, faithful and little, faithful and much. And it's very easy to look, well, if I had a billion dollars, I would, okay, what are you doing with what you have? Are you giving the widow's might? Are you, uh, you have opportunity today. What are you doing with it? Because if you're not doing it now, you wouldn't do it if you had a billion dollars. So it's very easy to look and be like, well, those guys, you know, if, if somebody as good as me were in their position, well, you're in your position. So what are you doing with it? That's a great point. To your point as well, Will, we didn't, I, I wanted to get to this a little bit last week when we were talking about kind of the Christian demonization of wealth and the the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Those are, that's, it's true. And it is hard for a rich man to enter heaven. Those scriptures are all there. But interestingly, when he talks about for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, the verse before that is the one that says those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare. We make that about rich people. There's a lot of people who don't have anything that want to get rich that wish they could, that are out buying lottery tickets, that are out trying to hit it big, trying to do the next get rich quick scheme because, man, they really want to be rich. And that's one of the things that often, I mean, you you kind of pull back the curtain behind socialism. It's envy. It's, right. I, you know, you have what I don't have. I want it. I want to take it from you. So I and my buddies have it. And that's a desire to get rich. That's a desire to have something that's not yours. And I mean, James talks about that. When you have those desires, you want and you don't ask and you don't have and 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 all of those things. And so... No, there's very nefarious motives behind it. There's very, you know, envy and and things that, you know, we look at people that have money and go, oh man, rich, they, they love money. Well, people who don't have money can love money. Just that was my, much. That, yeah, that's what I was trying to get at with the idolization is still there. Yeah. It just takes yeah. a different form. Exactly. Let me, uh, let me play devil's advocate for, for just a second here. And this is the next thing we wanted to bring up because people will point to verses like I'm about to read to say the early church was a socialist community that this is the uh, you know the goal of what we should be trying to work towards so you got verses like acts chapter 2 of course we know verse 38 we know 3000 were were baptized uh, i'll start in verse 43 then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles now all who believed were together and had all things in common sold their possessions and goods and divided them to all uh, to anyone who had need you skip over to chapter 4 uh, you see, starting in verse 32, the multitude of those who believe were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Uh, skipping down to verse 34, nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles feet. And they distributed to each as anyone who has need. Guys, sounds like the early church was socialist. Sounds like uh, that's exactly what we need to be heading towards here. Again, people will point to these verses and essentially think that it's a slam dunk, you know, in the face of the capitalist here. What's our response to that? The term sharing is caring comes to mind. Um, You know, there's, there's a difference between I'm sharing what is mine with somebody else, which is a very loving and kind and Christian thing to do. And Peter and, and John coming in going, all right, that's ours. 
we're going to reallocate these funds because you're too rich and uh, we're going to give it to so-and-so because he's not rich enough. And, and so, you know, I'm glad that you really worked hard for what you have, but come on, that's ours now. Mm, or the well. church saying, you know what? These widows aren't getting fed. They're not getting their bread. So we all got together and voted and decided we're going to go take Cornelius's house and sell it. So yeah, that, you know, right. I mean, which Cornelius <laughs> wasn't there in Act Six. My timeline's a little messed up, but with one of the guys, you know, yeah. yeah. And we're going to go take his stuff and, and sell it. And sorry, buddy. I mean, that's just that's the, how the vote came out. That's what we decided. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Peter just going like, all right, you don't have that anymore. That's mine now. Like that's and that, that speaks to our point about it was voluntary. They well, were even deciding. with Ananias and Sapphira. He said when, it, when you had it, it was in your control. Right. You could have done yeah. whatever you, they didn't get in trouble for not giving. And I think that kind of gets mischaracterized of, well, you, you know, that's not the problem. They, they lied about, you, they lied about what gonna, they said they were going to. Yeah. The people think, well, because they didn't get all of it, that was, or give all of it. That was the problem. No, the problem was they gave some of it and tried to pretend like it was all of it. It's exactly it. You lied to the spirit and he literally makes the point. This was yours to do what you wanted with pretty much. But don't say you're going to do something or don't say that you did do something when you're lying to the spirit. And this is right on the heels of the verse you just read. That's the very next thing. 32, I think, leads right into chapter five of like, yeah. And then there's Ananias and Spire. Everybody's giving of, of themselves. And then here comes these people who claim that they did and they lied about it. And, you know, that was a problem. So we can easily look at that and make the case that, oh, well, they just didn't give everything. And that's the problem. That's why they were killed. No, that's not it at all. Uh, it has to be something that is coming again from your a, a voluntary, cheerful giving. That part cannot be stated enough. And in socialism, there's a reason you look at all the socialist countries, countries that have gone socialist and Marxist around the world. Does anybody smile? Huh. Uh, no, it's not. It's not this utopia that they make it That's out. Exactly. Venezuela. And you look at Russia and you look at the places that have really tried to apply this brutal living conditions nobody's happy nobody's giving voluntarily they're taking as much as they can because they cannot make it because you have a governing body who's deciding who does and does not need it you think a governing body has the opportunity even one as small as the church it doesn't have to be 330 million americans even one as small as the church of christ you think if we had a governing body and they were distributing wealth that people wouldn't be left behind this is well, why just local church bodies you know should be helping and voluntarily giving to one another which is what was happening well, just think about the incentivization structure. I think that's a that's the correct use of, of the word there. Of okay, you've got half. Let's like say you got a congregation. Half the people work really hard. Half the people do not. And the church decides, all right, we're gonna we're gonna re redistribute resources here. We're gonna reallocate wealth here. What is the what does that incentivize? Cool. I don't have to work that hard then because I'm going to get you know the I'm going to get the benefits of everybody who does work hard. And that's what gets, you know, at least in the economic sense, that's what to me is so frustrating because it's, it's just common sense that if you look around and say, it doesn't matter how hard I work, everything's going to be equal or I'm going to get basically taken care of. What does that incentivize? Sit on your rear end and do nothing. No, that's, that's what exactly, that, that's the incentivization structure. That's what Paul has to deal with in Second Thessalonians. Man does not work. Neither shall he because you had people literally doing that. Well, Jesus is coming back. So I quit. All right, I'm just going to sit here and you guys, I'm somebody will feed me. He says, no, you you feed yourself. You get up, you get back out there and get to work. I want to also point to, I mean, there's so many New Testament scriptures about the importance of sharing. Um, while I'm here in First Timothy 6, verse 18, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. And he tells him, Timothy, go to the rich people in your congregation and teach them to share. Teach them to be generous people, not take their money. And, and like you don't have control over it. But uh, this is one of those, I mean, I could go on a whole total side tangent of here. Could you imagine a, a preacher going up to some of the rich people in church being like, all right, you know, Pony you're up, rich. Man. We're, we're all happy for you. <laughs> you know, you've got a really nice house, but uh, we need you to step up. We need you to step up in your giving. Well, no, we don't do that because well, you don't want to drive that person away. And so like there, there very much is a Christian expectation of be willing to share what you have, be willing to give, yeah. be willing to, as they were doing, sell on their land to, to give to others. And this is one of the problems with the demonization of, of wealth and, and success and all that. I know a number of really wealthy Christians who do a lot of good works. Uh, you know, some of the people that support a, a work like Focus Press, like we do, are people that have done well and are incredibly generous but if if their money was taken from them by force, like you're saying, Will, the incentive wouldn't have been there to earn it. And right. so it's important that we don't take that away, uh, whether we're in society or in the church either, to say, all right, we're just going to 
demand or, or demonize you for what you have, that's not a good, good idea. Well, and that's the utopia that we should be striving for. Not everybody's equal and has the same amount of money. It's that everybody, and I mean, we talked about this on our most recent deep end episode for all of our focus plus subscribers with, um, that came out, uh, last Friday, the fact that could you imagine if congregations made it a point to try to get their families and couples to be financially responsible, how much greater the giving could be? That's the utopia is that everybody in your in your congregation, everybody uh, that goes to your church is financially responsible enough and financially well off enough. Maybe they're not millionaires, but they're financially well off enough to where they can give and they can be generous and they can do that voluntarily. And, and money can just be flowing because of the the again, the financial responsibility. That's the utopia. That should be the goal, the idealistic vision, not, well, let's just get everybody on the same playing field. And again, I know we're talking more so about economics here, but man, Jack, to your point, that's exactly right. We see you know, Christians should be giving and caring people. And if you have a system where it's, you know, we're going to take what you've worked for, that's you're going to be more tempted and more uh, led towards, well, let me hoard what I have rather than let me share and give what I have. Well, there's what you'll hear and what people are going to get, you know, the people that are for socialism and there are a lot of Christians. Jesus was a socialist, things like this that push that. Don't you care about people without health care? Don't you care about the downtrodden? Don't you care about those well, who can't afford those things? Real quick. What's so interesting about that, Joe, is like Jack referenced the Good Samaritan. What did the Good Samaritan do in that parable? He paid for the guy to stay at the hotel. Right. And in fact, he gave her the, the hotel, the, the inn or whatever it was. And he gave him extra Holiday. money of his of his own. Right. Exactly. Of his own money and said, hey, this hopefully this covers him. If you if you end up paying more, let me know. I'll pay you back. What did he do? He paid for it. It wasn't like it was just free health care that was provided. He actually had to go and set aside his own money voluntarily to take care of this man. It wasn't free right. healthcare that was paid for by the state and paid for by taxes. That's the difference. Well, that's where I wanted to kind of bring in some scriptures on this because exactly to this point, you know, we can go to Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate, open your mouth, judge righteously and defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. And then I want to flip on over real fast to the end of James 1, which of course I think we can quote, but I don't want to get it wrong of, you know, pure and unfiled religion. Yeah, here we go. Is uh, inside of our God and Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep one keep oneself unstained by the world. We as Christians ought to be thinking about the poor and the downtrodden basically more than anybody because that is our job. But this is where I'm not going to get too political on this, but this is the problem in the fact that we allowed the state to come in and start taking care of what was the church. So why do you think all the hospitals are named St. Thomas and St. Anthony's and St. Joseph's and St. whatever the church else? the was the one because caring the about the poor. Or the, exactly. The, the, sick, the church was yeah. the one that did it. The church was the one that funded all of these things. And you could say the church, yes, the Catholic church. I realize that. But like Christianity, quote unquote, people that believe in God were those that were the most generous when it came to taking care of somebody. And at some point along the way, we just said, okay. We'll step back and we allow the government to do what was our work. Now we're in a predicament because we're we're here and the government goes, okay, well, we're going to take your money to do this. You know, when, when in reality, we could have just done it voluntarily in the first place. I think Christians need to get back to voluntarily looking to do as much as we can to help others. Um, and this is why ministries like Samaritan, uh, Samaritan ministries and such is big among Christians is there is this helping one another and sharing aspect. And I know there's problems with it. And I don't, I'm not going off on, on the goods and bads of, of Samaritan ministries, but that concept of Christians helping Christians and Christians helping others through this healthcare, that's a very real thing. And so, yeah, I think those who have the money ought to be looking for the downtrodden and seeing what we can give. Here's my question on this though, guys, let me turn this back around. At what point does the helping of the, and I'm not talking orphans and widows per se, but the downtrodden in life, when do we hit the enabling point? So in a socialist yeah. society, a lot of people, to your point, Will, are enabled and, and are de-incentivized, de-incentivized, I think, um, to do nothing. And so it's a very enabling thing. At what point does a Christian begin to enable another person to, to sit on their rear and do nothing? Well, Real anybody quick, who's is been, it, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, is it de-incentivized? Because I've been saying de-incentivized basically for the last 
three years. So I really, I yeah, what, really, what is Jack? You, you're, <laughs> Jack, you're the wordsmith here. here. Dis- disincentivized. Do I need to throw a, a third option? Oh, oh boy. That I'll look it up. It. Jack, continue really, your Google thought. It. Continue your yeah, thought. Go for it. Yeah. So not only on the enabled, but there are a lot of people that have the entitled thing and anybody who's been in ministry or eldership, you know, you've got the people that call your church building or maybe members who just constantly looking for a handout, looking for more. What can I get? You know, what do you have for me? And again, the entitlement, we'd have people call up and it was kind of like, we don't really have it right now. We just gave to a couple of other works or other people that were in need. And and right now the answer is no. And it's, I thought you were Christians. I thought yeah. you cared about people like the entitlement. And especially yep. the, one of the things that really, really bugged me over the years of, of being in a preacher, getting a, the, the calls to the church office was people who wouldn't be caught dead darkening our door never step foot in the church building calling up hey do you guys do you know do you guys give uh food support or, or things like that well we don't have it right now click like why are you calling up a church that you don't attend that you have no connection to and just hey, hey give me this but we live in this society and again it's kind of like well you're a church you're supposed to do it and so you you deal with that entitlement with that enabling um, and, and I know we're supposed to give to people, but man, when that entitled attitude comes in, it's, uh, not really a nice way to do it. But uh, again, let's say it's a member. It's a member who just is in the elder's office every, every other month. Hey, I need help with this. I need help with that. I don't think, and we talked about this on our deep end the other day, as their spiritual leaders, their Christian life involves their financial life. Their, their yes. stewardship of money is a Christian thing that they do. And so it is not outside of the elder's duty to say let's help you with this let's get this sorted out let's let's sit down with your budget let's see where we can cut some costs let's see if we can get you some the, more work but i mean if a man doesn't that's work, exactly right and that's what i was going to bring up and this is this is the point that we have hit on for the last several months in the sense that we cannot have the it's not a gospel issue approach which is unless it's salvational unless it's a doctrinal issue that's not really anything we need to worry about and you so the, the fruits of that are lessons sermons classes that don't deal with this kind of stuff, talking about Christians and money. And another fruit of it is, as you're saying, Jack, elders and church leadership who that's that's their business, that's that's their money, money, that's their financial business. We're not going to touch it. No, the the as you just perfectly stated, Jack, I don't want to restate it because you said it so well, but the whole idea of church leaders, if you do to answer your question, Joe, somebody who is, let's say it's a member repeatedly needing help, repeatedly needing assistance. I, I I think it's within bounds for the elders and the church leaders to say, we are here to help you. We care about you as was one of our flock. We want to help you, but we want to get you. We, we want you to get to a point where you don't need the help anymore. And so whether that be making sure they're not racking up a ton of de- debt, maybe whether it be yeah. making sure that their spending is appropriate. It's the whole teach a man to fish thing, right? You don't just give them a fish over and over again. You eventually teach him to fish. And so I think that's, that's something that is perfectly within bounds to, to answer your enabling question, because you don't want to be poor stewards of the Lord's money. You don't right. want to just be throwing money to everybody. Oh, here you go. Sure, sure. Take this, take this. Oh, you need help? Sure. There needs to be some wisdom in the stewardship. So here's another question, though, that Jack gets me thinking about. What obligation does a church have to those not within the church? Should we be supportive of, and I'm not talking ministries per se, homeless ministries and such. There's a great place in, uh, shout out Jerry Groves, Um in Colorado, because I know he does a lot of work with the homeless. He's in a poorer part of the community and is just one of the better personal workers among the homeless that I've seen. Um, I don't know if he listens, but yeah, he's he's a great guy. Um, but how what what's our obligation for those that are not part of the church, as Jack talked about? And we used to get this all the time at Miller Street. We were in another kind of a poorer part of, of uh, Denver area. And we had a homeless camp like down the street and man, we'd be hit up 24 seven and we try to help them and we'd maybe give them a free night in the local hotel and, and uh, you know, a couple subway gift cards or whatever else we'd never give them cash, but what's our obligation there. So my thought, first of all, I hate admitting when Jack was correct. It is disincentivized. So Jack is it disincentivized? wins the, yes, oh, it's disincentivized. Goodness. Well, that might yeah. be the first time you've ever been so right frustrating. on word. Yeah, I know. How about or, that? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I did it just for the look on your face. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. I've, uh, man, I've been saying it wrong for three years. Great. So Jack gets the W on that You one. and me both. Um, yeah, yeah exactly. You're welcome. So my, my thought on your question, Joe, is first of all, Galatians 6.10, let us do good to all. But then what does he say? Especially those who are of the household of faith. What does right. that imply? It implies that 
kind of higher priority needs to go to those who are within the flock and those who are of the household of faith. And that would be my answer is that for the most part needs to be people within your flock. I mean, that should take at least the higher priority, the higher emphasis, but it also does say do good to all. And so I think that personally speaking, the, the obligation that you, I wouldn't use the word obligation. I would use the word opportunity. If you have mm-hmm. opportunity to hopefully reach somebody with the gospel, maybe show the love of Christ and, and that maybe lead somewhere, do it, man. Like Jack's talking about people calling up, um, but the people who are legitimately needing help, man, don't just stick them in a hotel and say, man, hope it works out for you. No, use that as an opportunity to maybe show them the love of Christ, teach them the gospel. Um, that's to me, it would be the ultimate example of what we're talking about here when you say those who are outside of the church. So that would be what I would say. Higher priority does need to go to those who are already within the flock. But when you do reach outside of the flock, man, use that as an opportunity to to carry out Matthew 25, doing it under the least of those as an opportunity to show Christ's love, as an opportunity to hopefully teach the gospel. Jack, what do you think? Yeah, I always struggled with that. Um, you know, we had like fuel cards and things like that, that we would have on hand when people would come by, but I don't know. Um, uh, the, the lack of relationship. And I know it, like there's the criticism of your benevolence always being a hook that, you know, that you're baiting for evangelism and that it's, you're, it's not necessarily supposed to be that it's not evangelism. You're just doing good to do good because God has called you to do that. But I don't know. It's if, if the the choice is between keeping a lot of money in the budget for mission works and and things you know ministries of the church versus stocking those things or or just always having something on hand i, I really think we should be very much uh balanced to the former rather than the latter but i mean i, I don't know it's really hard because the bigger a church gets we weren't even that big of a church but the bigger a church gets Man, those people get requests every single day, multiple they come times out of the woodwork. a day. Oh, yeah. Say. I mean, people it's like see the guy the went a lottery. Everybody yeah. is uh, your friend now. People see the building and they go, well, they clearly have money. And so let me ask for food. Let me ask for this. And I know every church comes up with different ways to deal with it. I I really have a hard time you know, looking at the New Testament and thinking that the design was for the church to, as an institution, be a place that anybody could look and be like, well, they'll take care of me because you know they're supposed to. And, and lean on on the good graces of the church. I feel like we should be much more proactive in our, our choices of what we're doing with our money. I'm not saying don't give money to those, but it never felt good to me. It never it always sure. felt so cynical. Again, the entitlement of you're a church, just give me money and I'll never talk to you again. And I don't know. It's, it's some people have that view of the guy, the panhandlers, when you get off the highway asking for money. Well, it's not my job to know what he does with it. And God just tells me to give to him. And I'm not sure about that either. Yeah, a lot of times you're pearls before swine, a little bit. Well, yeah, and again, like you, money is finite. I mean, you have to acknowledge that. And and the five dollars you give to them is there's a million things you could do with that five dollars. Is that the best use of it? And and you can get into paralysis by analysis, you know, of like never giving it to anybody because well, is this one is, but it's like well, that one is likely throwing it down the toilet. This one is not. So let's I, I don't know. I sh- really struggle with this one. As you can see, I don't have an answer. Um, but now that I'm not in ministry, I know he's just incentivized from uh, this uh, guy. <laughs> learning my answer. So <laughs> I was going to say he's still celebrating his word victory that he can't. He, his judgment is just clouded. He can't. I was, come up with well, exactly. I was just trying so hard to work it into the sentence. I couldn't come up with an answer. <laughs> Give me a break. I still like the term de-incentivize more. I do too. I'm gonna to say be honest that. with you. I still I'm gonna sound like an idiot, but it'll it'll sound cooler while sounding it's like, like the an people idiot. that say irregardless when that's not a oh, word. Man. It's just regardless. Yeah, sorry. Yep. Oh, see, that's why you have to use the right word, is people are gonna be disincentivized. Oh so. shut up. <laughs> Come on, oh, man. Oh my goodness. Anyway, anyway, yeah, I would say, you know, my my take on that. Um I think the world benefits when Christians do things for other Christians. And what I mean by that is, you know what, I'm going to take, so we sent money in um, another guy in uh, uh, India, graduated with Jack, I think, or a little, uh, maybe one year behind Jack in um, Bear Valley. Great guy. He went over there and he had this really cool idea of, hey, let's get a um, osmosis system for the water. And that will provide clean water to these villages in India that, that, um, People will come for miles. And so, yes, it was initially to kind of help the church, but it has been such an evangelistic opportunity 
where people come from miles and miles, several different villages. And while they're there filling up water, they get evangelized to. Now, I think initially it was to kind of help the Christians in the area who were suffering from all sorts of diseases and struggles from the water. But they use that for that. I would say the same thing for for a healthcare system or, or for a uh, for a hospital. We want to take care of our own. We want to take care of the you know the poor and needy and the, and the sick in our church or whatever. We start this ministry, and next thing you know, we have more people coming to it. I think that's the natural progression of things. Is as the world, as as the church takes care of the church, it starts to take care of the world, um, and and kind of goes out from there. And that's that's when people start to see there's something special about this. That's when it becomes an evangelistic opportunity. But I think it should ideally start with we're going to take care of our own and then see where it goes from there. Uh, I'm with Jack. I'm definitely more on the cynical side of things. Uh, I know that's not nice and that's not what we're called to be as Christians. So that's probably a heart issue that I need to pray about and work on. Man, I see a lot of people take advantage of churches where churches give and give and give. And it's not like you need a return for it. That's not the point of giving. But at the same time, once again, we we cross over into the enabling point at some point where the person doesn't have to get a job because the church is bankrolling them. That's not appropriate. So I think every church and every eldership and or men's meeting or whatever needs to determine what their threshold of giving is, what they're willing to give maybe to non-Christians and to Christians alike. We want to be cheerful givers, but at some point we have to pump the brakes, I think, a little bit. So, fellas, with that, I want to get into the last, unless there's anything else you want to add, I want to get into the last part of our, our outline here and last part of the discussion, which is some people will say, and Jack, kick this off to you first, I think. Some people will say, well, it's a good idea on paper, right? It's a good idea on paper. And you created the outline. You've, you've kind of given that line. You put that line down. And, and we've all heard that before. What do you mean by that? And let this maybe let's let's let this kick us off into a discussion of are there any valid points to socialism here? I hear this all the time. Uh, and it's it's almost like people are trying to throw them a bone. Well, yeah, you're, you're trying to be a nice person. You're trying to come up with a way to to feed people and give them health care and you know, but but socialism, it just doesn't work. Now, it works on paper, but, it, you know, people are greedy. Well, if something only works on paper, but it doesn't actually I mean, you can then like it doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, my, my three year old can draw an airplane on paper. It's not going to fly. I mean, like that, that's because you say, well, it's because of human nature. Exactly. Exactly. That's you why are, it doesn't work. Right. right. And and that's I mean, Marx, it was everything was raging against God, was raging against created order, was raging against humans and, and who we are but not even in a bad way it's not you know the people say well people are just greedy and that's why it doesn't work if people weren't greedy you wouldn't have people trying to get to the top and control everything like no i mean the greed greed is an issue in every system capitalism socialism whatever else but the other thing is work is good achievement is good anything that i'm not doing this to to get the laugh again here it's anything that disincentivizes I had to use the word sorry uh hard work is yeah, that's the point. not a good thing. And, and so people say, yeah. oh, on paper. No, not on paper. Don't give them that concession. This is a terrible idea because work is good. Achievement is good. I, and this whole system is against that. But is there any point or, or is there any positive? Like, why do you think this is such we, we kind of laid it out at the beginning. But why do you think this is so popular specifically among kids these days? Is there any point of validity in their argumentation? I guess anything that we would say you know, okay, we can agree on X, Y, or Z because this is sweeping the minds of young people. I mean, it's just across the nation um, be, because it sounds so good as we talked about earlier. Are there points of validity within this? Things that we the think maybe the church could address. The cynical part of me says the only reason young people are, are sweep, sweeping up with this is young people don't really want to put the hard work in to make the money. Mm. And so they would just rather have the people who have already made the money have, you know, again, have it reallocated and redistributed so that they get to enjoy the the prosperity as well. That's the cynical side of me. It's again, mainly for the young people that are all the Bernie Sanders supporters and yeah, man, forgive my student loans and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, have the common sense to realize that you're, those aren't free. It's not like just the, the, the debt is just disappearing and, and getting vaporized. Um, but as far as the the valid points and then validity, I don't know. I'm I'm a pretty staunch capitalist uh, in the sense that it's the best economic system out there. And so um, you could argue, you know, the the fact that there are people who just are in the, you know, as far as capitalism goes, they just want to make more and more and more and more and more and more and more, and that's a problem. But to Jack's point, like he just said, 
greed is going to be a problem in every system. And so I don't, yeah. I don't see a lot of valid points to socialism, Jack. I know you've got some listed here. I don't know if you want to cover some of these, but yeah, that's, I don't have much as far as, yeah, well, socialism gets this right. I don't think it gets a lot right personally. I think the critique may be right. I think the way it goes about solving it is brutally wrong. By, what do you mean the critique? I think, you know, capitalism, when it's taken to a, I, I'm not against capitalism, clearly. I mean, like, I like the idea of everybody being able to make money, American dream, those type of things. Um, so I'm not against capitalism. However, capitalism without virtue, capitalism without, which I think is really what we're getting to, making money for the sake of making money where you will step on. I mean, how many lives are lost? How many how many sweatshops are, are you know, kept open because of greed and making money? I'm not saying that there's, there's ways that uh, it doesn't have to, we're not raising the minimum wage to $20 so everybody can, you know, not, you know what I mean? There's ways to do it. But I do think that in our current American society, we have gotten to the point where we make money without ever thinking about lives um, in a lot of ways and specifically lives in other countries. You could talk about this is why unions were formed. Unions, there's, there's problems for everything, right? Um, so I don't know. I look at, I don't know that our current system in America is working and socialism certainly isn't going to fix it. But I also think that in pursuit of the almighty dollar, kids are exploited. There's all sorts of terrible things that take place. That would be my problem is the capitalism without virtue. Jack, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, that was that was kind of my thought on it is capitalism generally is good. But people say that, you know, the market incentives kind of bring the virtue in like, well, if you poison your customers, then, you know, you're not going to have more customers and therefore you're incentivized to do good business and, and to provide, offer the best you know, product. Basically. Yeah, offer the best yeah. product. But what you're seeing is. There's a lot of people who go, you know what, that's going to be a problem long after I die. So I don't care. I, you know, I'll like while I'm alive, I'm going to get super rich off of this and I'll just let somebody else clean up the the issues later on. And uh, so there's that that without virtue. And and I mean, you see uh, not to bring him up uh, two months into his run. And uh, Brad had a, an article on him the other day, the Oliver Anthony thing about like something's wrong with this country. And I think that's the, the, what all of the political world is, is acknowledging from every side of the spectrum is there's something wrong with it. And, you know, will you're right to a degree of work harder, you know, and you can find a way through for sure. On the other hand, it's really not in a good place where it is kind of, I was having this discussion with friends the other day about the whole women working outside the home and you want to provide to where your, your wife can stay home. But that shouldn't mean that, you know, other than like people in very specialized fields have to work 80 hours a week and never see their kids. Like there was a time not that long ago where you could work in a factory, didn't have to have anything more, didn't even have to have a high school education. You could own a modest home and a car and go on vacation once or twice a year. And, you know, like you you could just live. Now you do have to have the side hustle. You got to drive Uber. You got to deliver food. You got to, you know, whatever else to keep your, your head afloat, like. And you can and you should because hard work's good, but those aren't good things. And so the critiques that socialism comes in with is pointing to all that stuff. It's like and so that's why it resonates. It's like, yeah, that's that kind of stinks. But then, OK, well, we'll just take it from somebody else. No, that's that's not how it works. And so I don't know. There and Again, the, as Joe said, their solutions are horrible. But I mean, it is fair to say that it's, it's not at a good place right now. And the demonization of the one percent comes from the fact that a lot of them do cheat taxes. They do get out. And yes, I realize they're loopholes, but they're big enough to have laws be written to support the loopholes. You know what I mean? Like, well, you look at something like Amazon. The reason Amazon, you know, everyone loves Amazon because you get your product for cheapest, you get it fastest. They got to be Amazon because the government gave them backdoor deal. Well, not backdoor, but just like deals to say, you know, well, people won't have to pay tax on yours or you'll get, you know, all of these savings, all There's of these incentives, sense. all these breaks that that you and I wouldn't get if we started a business. And so it's uh, they're saying, look, this the the playing field is tilted well yeah it is and you know we benefit from that to a degree but then we suffer from it in the long run and and so it's there there's so many things like that where and you look at covid i mean in 2020 when they you know switched everything everybody's ordering everything online and how many new billionaires that created the the wealth transfer people talk about that's not a healthy thing for a society you know, of a lot of people have gotten a lot poorer, your your inflation, all the money, like all of the added expenses that we're having to work even harder to keep up with. Some people just got super, super rich off of that. And and that's kind of what the minor profits get on get at is if you're starving your own people or making it really hard for them to keep their head afloat while you're just getting fatter and fatter and fatter bank accounts, 
that's not great. That's not a good thing. That is the problem with the American system is the middle class is disappearing. Right. You're having those that are getting a lot richer and those that are getting a lot poorer. And that middle class of what you're talking about, the factory worker, the guy driving a truck, the guy, you know, the, the blue collar guy, like they could make it. They can't make it these days. Why? Because that's actually hitting poverty. There are parts. I think the poverty line in Denver, Colorado, I think is 80 grand, 75 or $80,000 a year is poverty line in Denver. Like there's a reason we moved. It's just insane to me. That's the problem is in our current economic structure. Yeah, you can get into the Fed. You can get in a lot of things. We're not going to, this isn't a political podcast. However, with, you know, inflation and everything else, it's making it very, very difficult, which is why so many people want to turn to socialism. They're looking at it going, government created the issue. Therefore, government is going to fix the issue by redistribution of wealth. Once again, horrible way of solving it. But I do think that America has some, some struggles. Let me let me speak to something real quick. We got like ten minutes left, um, and we still sure. have to hit more, something we want to give it due diligence to, and that is the kind of the underlying issues here that, that Jack referenced to start for Christians in the church. One thing I do want to speak to because I I fully resonate completely with you know what Jack said, and you know the strong language aside, the Oliver Anthony you know saw, point about this country is 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 kind of going down the tubes and you've got rich politicians that are just, you know, making life tough for everybody while they're getting to live, live large. Like I resonate with that as somebody who's trying to make sure that I make enough money to provide insurance for my two kids and, and be able to have my wife stay home and homeschool and all these things that are very expensive while also wanting to see my kids at some point. Like I get like, it, it's a struggle. It really is. Like, I'm not saying that we should just, you know, uh, you know, work harder and it'll be fine. Like I get that it is a struggle. At the same time, I think Christians have a responsibility to have a level of faith in God to where if you look at your life and you're working hard and you're trying to make sure that your family's provided for and you're doing everything you can to disciple your kids, I don't want to just kind of cliche casually say it'll all work out. But if you, I mean, I think this is where faith comes in. If you're sitting at home working 40 hours a week and you've got eight to 10 hours to, to watch TV every day and you're struggling, that's one thing. If you as a, a father and a husband and as a, you as a family are trying and working hard and, and doing everything you can to make money here and there and to to do what you can to have your wife stay home and all these things, I would like to think that God will provide. The, the, that is something that the the faith covers it in a way. Does that make sense? Like I, I, don't, want it, any, yeah. I don't want anybody to think like, man, it is hopeless. There's just nothing I can do. I think the faith has to come in here of – I'm working hard. I'm, I'm diligently trying to provide for my family. We're raising our kids, you know, according to the Lord. God's not going to leave us hanging. And that that sounds like, well, that's just a really easy cop out thing to say. But I don't want that to get lost in this discussion because I think it's incredibly important for Christians to keep that perspective. Like God's not going to leave them hanging if they're if they're doing what they should and continuing to work hard. I think that's true. I mean, it's not he's not going to I think the Psalms say, you know, he's not seeing the righteous begging bread, you know, he's not going to let you starve. And, and of course, Matthew six, uh, you know, he takes care of the birds and the, the lilies of the field. And uh, you trust those things for sure. It's just the unfortunate point of like, it's going to take that incredible level of work to scrape by that, right. that he will, because there's, those aren't promises that you're going to thrive. Those are promises that you'll, you'll have what you need. Be able to eat. And sure. yeah. Yeah. And it, and, and so you do again, like I, I kind of had this critique on Facebook a while back and somebody really gave me the business. Well, you just need to work harder. Like, amen. You, you have to do it. Like you don't just say, well, I'll live, you know, off of the state and I won't provide for my family. You do what you have to do. It's just unfortunate that there is kind of that choice between, can I see my kids, you know, more than two hours a day, like, or, or, you know, an hour in the morning and an hour before I go to bed at night, cause I'm working double jobs and double shifts and all this stuff. Like it's not ideal. And, and so I think, again, that's where the, the socialists are critiquing that they don't care about the family so much, but just on the individual level. And it's a fair critique that, you know, even though you are going to have what you need, man, it, it could be better. And, and so it's unfortunate that we've, we've kind of come to a place right now where, you know, you see eggs at $6 a dozen at some point or whatever. And it's like, wow. I mean, like <laughs> that, that's, that is a kick in the teeth. And, uh, and so I think that part of the critique is fair, even though, yeah, God does provide it. it it's still really hard. It's, it's harder than it's supposed to be, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and I, I think this that. is, this is, as we kind of get in the last bit, um, I think we need to be careful when somebody is pushing it, understand them, 
listen to you know where they're coming from and why they think you're talking about pushing socialism yeah i because underneath it i think it's stupid i think i think we're laying out it's not biblical there's a lot of reasons there's a lot of problems with this that we are very much planting our flag here however there are a lot of hurting americans and there are a lot of people kind of lamenting this and there are a lot of i'm going to call it out a lot of boomers that are just like you know if you just didn't need so much avocado toast then we wouldn't be here. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the avocado toast is why I can't make a $3,000 a month house payment when you got to make it at $800 a month. Come on now. Come right, on the now. Whole, like, Stop. I don't know why you don't just do it my way when, you know. Like, it the- drives <laughs> me up a wall. I like, saw a tweet yesterday that's true. That he, I mean, this is literally true. He said a starter house doesn't exist anymore. Price right. wise, there, there's no like a starter house. Uh, what would have been a starter house is now three hundred thousand dollars. I mean, this this is a starter house. Yeah, we got a little bit of land on it, which is really nice, but it's going to take a lot of work. I mean, it's not uh, it's an older house. It's not in great shape and it was difficult to get into. I mean, like the, his point is real of if you want something that is not a, a total piece of junk, it's almost non-existent. So that's my point is just listen to people first and foremost when when they're saying this understand where they're coming from. And, and, you know, a lot of times it's driven by her. Now, it's a lot of times driven by greed too. And it's driven by stupidity and driven by, I went to the public schools and therefore redistribution of wealth is good uh, that they push that a lot in there and demonizing the 1%. So sure that may come through as well, but you may have people that are genuinely struggling, just lamenting the system. That's the Oliver Anthony thing. I can get behind the lamenting of the system. We find common ground on saying, yeah, that is broken. However, let's discuss, you know, the the ins and outs, but let's get, let's get to the end here, which is some of the bigger issues, the underlying issues. And I'll start. The first one is, you know, this kind of, it, it causes us to maybe step back and figure out what does Christian compassion look like? We've had this discussion, but um, Jack, get us into that a little bit of, of this kind of bigger issue of Christian compassion. I think we talked about that of churches giving and on an individual level of giving, but I, I think about Ephesians chapter four, and I had the reference down here. Yeah, it's 28 of let him who steals steal no longer, but work so that you can share. I read that one in first Timothy six of teach the instruct the rich to you know be be rich in good works and share what they have. And uh, there's a number of verses about that of work hard so that you can have, you know, uh, in first Timothy five, where he talks about providing from your own. If you don't, you're worse than an infidel. The expectation in all of those is you're going to make enough to take care of what you, you know, your, your basic needs and then have a little bit to share. And so that should be the goal of every Christian is to share is to be, you know, somebody in X four who can sell something and, and give to somebody else or come in with the, the donation when it's in need. And the envy, the a kind of zero sum game thought of socialism of why well, we got to take it from somebody to give it to somebody else. No, make more, earn more, build more, have more so that you can give is, is a good thought as a church and as individuals. The other thing that I would bring up here, and we've hit this quite a bit so we can move on, but we talk about how the church kind of demonizes the wealthy. It also glorifies the the poor in a lot of instances, kind of the 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 insinuation that the poor you are, the the more holy you are. And... Listen, like a lot of that is based in envy, in my opinion, and we've we've hit that already. But the thought of like, again, well, those who are wealthy and those who are rich, they just idolize wealth. So do those who are poor, because how many of them would instantly swap with somebody if there were no ramifications of, you know, you take your position, I take mine. They're going to take the the more the more wealthy position. And so it's based in envy. It's based in, again, kind of just this false, you know, concept of, well, we need to try, you know. It's not, uh, you know, a rich man is going to be Harvard into the kingdom of heaven. So let's run the other direction. That's not biblical. Again, to to beat the the horse to death, you're ignoring proverbs. You're ignoring the 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 very valid scriptures about working hard. And so uh, this is something that we talked about in last episode. I think pulpits need to do a lot better job of teaching and preaching lessons about money that are not just the generic vague ambiguous make sure you use your money to the glory of god and make sure that you get like man come on people need specifics people need you know more than just the generic vague stuff about how to use their money and 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 what god's word talks about money and so that would be the only thing that i would say there is that a lot of christians i would say have a warped view of money and i don't think pulpits and church leadership have helped with that and i think it's time that we need to 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 swap that around because Envy is something and covetousness is something that is listed in all of those places in the New Testament as a pretty big sin, as something that God sees as a big deal. 
And that's not something that any Christian has any business being involved in, envy, greed, uh, covetousness. And I think, again, just kind of the the demonization of the rich, in a way, creates that envy. It creates that that covetousness, fosters it, maybe I should say. That's a great point. That's a great point. Another big issue, and, and really one of the last ones, I'll speak to this one because we have on here, beware of emotional manipulation and oversimplification. I can sympathize and empathize with somebody who is bemoaning where America has gotten. We have to be aware of them taking that emotional, that empathy and distorting it, twisting it, manipulating it to where now, you know, we're advocating for something that's horrible. And I think they're oversimplifying a problem by they're trying to fix it. You know, socialists are trying to fix a very complicated problem in simplistic and rather barbaric ways when you see the way it's carried out across the world uh they they kind of want to just wave their magic wand to something so beware of the emotional manipulation you see this a lot on facebook or on social media where somebody is you know you see somebody who goes without health care or whatever and and they kind of get the sob stories and they trot that out and look that's horrible i hate when those things happen i'm not saying that like i'm i'm unaffected by it but there is a they're trying to take the political. It's a tactic that they're using. That's exactly it. They're trying to blend the polit- political and they're abusing churches and looking at Christians as and, and using this as an attack against Christians by taking their political agenda and beating us over the head with some emotional sob story. Don't fall for the manipulation tactics. Don't fall for the oversimplification and don't allow them to politicize our faith, basically, and make us out to be the bad guys because they have, you know, because people are struggling. We realize people are struggling. There are better ways to handle it other than you taking my wealth and giving it to somebody else. That's that's not the way that this is uh, not the way it should go. But you see that a lot on Facebook from Christians and non-Christians alike, demonizing those who push capitalism, demonizing those who aren't willing to just have the state come in and take all of their stuff. It's a political issue. It's a complicated issue. It's a lot of things, but don't allow for the emotional manipulation is what I would say. Well, one of the other things is so much of this socialism, but but many other things is just trades on. Well, it shouldn't be this way. It, you know, it, it should you should get free health care. This is a, how they're all ought and ought not to be like who's to say, you know, according right. to what standard, where, where are you getting this should or shouldn't be like it sounds good. Oh, well, everyone should get free health care. OK, how? What are the consequences of doing that? Who's paying for that? Like all of those questions they don't enter into these, uh, you know, manipulative conversations. And you see that same stuff in the church. Well, women should be allowed to preach. Okay, why? What are we going to do about this? Well, men and women should be, you know, there, there shouldn't be a head of the household. Well, there is, okay? I and, mean, like, we, we have this sense of what should and shouldn't be. That doesn't matter at all. Literally doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's all in our heads. Well, anything else? I don't have much else that? to add. No. That's, okay. I mean, a lot of people might be looking at it going, this is kind of a weird episode topic. It There are underlying issues is why we ended here that illustrate why this is important and why this is a big deal. And, you know, we, we started, I guess, full time. Jack started think deeper. What was it? 2018, like a long, long time ago. And we started it really full time. Um, the beginning of 2022. And, it was one of those things like when we first got started, there were a lot of episodes that we lined up like, yeah, this would be good. Let, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. And then as we continued to to lay out episode topics and things, you realize there are a lot of things that don't really get talked about. There are a lot of things that really don't get a lot of press in the church. And money is one of them. The, this kind of political system of socialism ties that ties into money is one of them. And so, uh, you know, I want to thank you, gentlemen, just you two for being willing. I mean, these are topics that I think the church needs to discuss. These are topics that it, that don't get discussed. And so um want to encourage everybody who's listening. You know, obviously, we, we appreciate the comments on Facebook. For those of you who are Focus Plus subscribers, we always appreciate the comments and questions that we get from there so that we can roll those into our extended deep end segment. But I would say if there's any if there if there are other topics, if there are things that you're thinking like, man, my congregation you know, we don't, we haven't addressed this in a while, or man, I really don't know where to turn to, to find answers on this. We're not standing here saying we're the guys that have the answers to every single issue, but we are standing here saying we're the guys that are willing to at least discuss the issue. And we're the guys that are willing to at least, you know, open God's word and, and, and see, okay, where should a Christian fall in this as, as closely as, as we can, according to scripture, as far as according to our best understanding, that's what we are willing to do. We're not always going to get it right, 
But one of the, the to me, the biggest pro- aspects of this podcast that we wanted to to really hit home is we'll discuss the issues that maybe everybody else doesn't want to. And so again, long diatribe of me basically saying, if you've got something that you want us to talk about, if you've got a topic that you're like, man, I really want to hear about this, let us know. Reach out to us, message, Facebook comment, whatever it is. Um, so that's all that I've got to say, Jack, Joe, I don't know if you have anything else to wrap us up with. It's a great point. It's a great point. We, yeah, I, I was thinking as you were talking about, yeah, we discuss sex. We discuss masculinity and femininity. We discuss birth cancer control. culture in the church, yeah, birth like, control and IVF. And I mean, Hey, that's what we are here for to think deeper. And this is a yet another episode. I'm glad you pointed out. Well, that's, this is just one of those things we look around and go, man, nobody's really discussing money. And the socialism, that's really creeping up on Facebook and in Christian circles. And and we're seeing this on our social media and such of like Christians really starting to advocate, young Christians really starting to advocate for this. So we wanted to reach out and say that. So yeah, just to double up your point, Will, I think that's fantastic. Let us know. Specifically, again, subscribe because those who subscribe and uh, give us some comments and whatnot of, hey, these are some topics, that's going to shoot right to the top of our list. Hey, if you even if you don't subscribe, let us know. Facebook post, whatever it is, get a hold of us on social media. Um, and we'll look to fit it in. But those who subscribe, of course, are going to get first dibs on where we go with this. And uh, we'd love suggestions on what you'd like to hear. So, all right, fellas. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up. And um, yeah, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Mm-hmm.